Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, speaking to you here from the Nether Realm in October 2016, meaning it must be time for another episode of Happy Halloween, Doctor 13. I did this once before last year, so uh, this recording officially makes uh, Happy Halloween, Doctor 13 an annual tradition. Doctor Terry 13 is one of my very favorite DC Comics supernatural characters now. The good doctor doesn't actually practice any of the mystical arts like Dr. Fate or Dr. Mist. Uh, Dr. 13 is the contrarian, the uptight skeptic, the spoil sport. Uh, for some reason I've been drawn to the character. I have a soft spot for the also-rans, like this perennial guest star and backup feature. Uh, and as an extremely skeptical person myself, surrounded by a family of uh, two varying degrees, spiritually enlightened people, uh, I can empathize with Dr. Thirteen's plight, being the lonely, doubting Thomas in, in the exactly wrong environment, the DC universe, where the stubborn, arrogant physician of phenomenology, the surgeon of skepticism, as I like to call him, is just surrounded by and confronted daily by all manner of truly fantastic occurrences. Now, in the last episode of Happy Halloween, Doctor 13, uh, I talked a little bit about the publishing history of the character, so if you're at all interested in that, uh, please check out my blog, imthegun.blogspot.com, or iTunes, or Google Play, where you can download that episode. Uh, but just very briefly here, Doctor 13 debuted in the waning days of the golden age of comics, introduced in the pages of Star Spangled Comics as a suave, debonair debunker of the supernatural. In those early adventures, 13 came across as if, uh, as if Bruce Wayne were a one-man mystery incorporated, though he would occasionally get some help from his wife, Marie. After disappearing for over a decade, 13 turned up again on the pages of The Phantom Stranger as a supporting character, a role he'd fill for pretty much the rest of his career. Now, the 13 that showed up in Phantom Stranger was, was almost a different character. Uh, he'd metaphorically taken to wearing a pair of glasses and uh, stubbornly refused to believe all the spectacular things happening around him page after page, uh, kind of coming off like a fool. He would, though, occasionally get a solo backup story in Phantom Stranger, where he'd once again behave like a competent investigator into strange phenomena. Uh, so it's like there were two Dr. Thirteens, the shrill, raving loon, who became obsessed with outing the Phantom Stranger as some charlatan, and uh, the Bruce Wayne of Ghost Hunters, who popped up in the occasional support story. The story I want to recap this time out is uh, more of the latter variety. And it's from Adventure Comics number 428, cover dated August 1973. Now, most of the Doctor 13 backups from this era, uh, written by the likes of uh, Robert Conniger, Len Wein, and Steve Skeets, they were illustrated almost exclusively by Tony DeZuniga. Um, because these were found in the back of the Phantom Stranger title, they have been reprinted in the two volumes of Showcase Presents The Phantom Stranger. These are those big, thick, black-and-white telephone book-sized collections. This story, though, called 
The Ghosts on the Glasses. For whatever reason, uh, was published in Adventure 428, and as such has yet to be collected. And I find that a little hard to believe that no story from this anthology title has been collected, because the lead story in this issue features the first appearance of Black Orchid. Or as Neil Gaiman was apparently heard to pronounce it, Black Hawk Kid. Uh, this Lady of Mystery starred in a few issues of Adventure before pushing both Doctor 13 and the spawn of Frankenstein out of the back of Phantom Stranger. Uh, but after that series was axed, Black Orchid was rarely seen popping up in Suicide Squad. This is in the pre-Harley Mania days. Uh, and not much else before getting a, a major Neil Gaiman revamp. Now, the later version of this character published by Vertigo uh, kind of interested me, but uh, it's one of those things where I'd, I'd have to find the whole run super cheap, and, uh, and that hasn't happened yet. But this episode is about Doctor 13, so uh, next I'll be switching on the flashlight and going through the ghosts on the glasses. Hello everyone, my name is Pat, and I'm the host of a new podcast called The Longbox Crusade. A while back, my wife said to me, Why do you keep buying more comics? I bet you have not even read all the comics you have already. Well, she's right, but let's keep that between you and me. So I took her up on the challenge to read them all. I decided to read my collection of comic books in chronological order by the issue's cover dates. I wanted to relive their adventures and bring back the memories I had of my childhood in the late 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. My collection has been stashed away in over 20-plus long boxes in the basement. I'll leave it up to your imagination as to why I cannot have them on display upstairs, but that's a different story. The Longbox Crusade podcast will be of recaps and reviews of the issues in my collection in a fun and friendly way. You can find the podcast at longboxcrusade.com. I hope you will join me on this crusade to read them all. Alright, so Adventure Comics number 428 has a really great cover, giving readers their first glimpse of Black Orchid, an illustration by Bob Oxner. And I think this may just be the most Halloween cover ever. Black Orchid is perched atop a, a creepy-looking house as the uh, windows swing out to reveal some gun-toting thugs inside. Uh, but you've got your big moon in the background, you've got your bats, your gnarly tree... Add in the Bates Motel-type rooftop and the lady in the wacky costume um, just screams Halloween. And as I said, the lead story is the introduction of Black Hawk Kid by uh, Sheldon Meyer and uh, Tony DeZuniga. It's a decent story, wonderfully drawn. Uh, that should be the subject of a podcast episode uh, at some point by somebody. Um, still a little shocked it's never been reprinted. At least to my knowledge, uh, maybe it was, but... Anyway, tucked in the back of the book is the little eight-page gem, The Ghosts on the Glasses, written by Steve Skeets and drawn by Dezuniga. We open in the busy office of Mr. Desmond Randolph, a well-dressed, maybe 60-ish man, who we're told is very vain, so vain that he doesn't wear his glasses around the office. When he catches a glimpse of someone he thinks is a vacationing friend through the window, he reaches into his vest pocket to put on a pair of glasses to get a better look. As soon as he puts the specs on, however, he lets loose a troubling thought balloon. Oh my god! 
What have I done? And he vocalizes, No, it can't be. It was soap poisoning. No, just kidding. Uh, followed by a, a huge scream. A uh, crowd of co-workers gathers around Randolph's body, and uh, his face is a, is a frightening death mask, frozen in a final scream. Really scary work by Daisy Niga there. This is one of the panels I'll be putting up on the blog. You know, I know Daisy Niga mostly from his long association with Jonah Hex, uh, but that's mostly early 80s stuff, which has honestly taken a little while to grow on me, uh, but it has. Uh, this work from the early 70s, it's Daisy Niga at the height of his powers, inking himself, I'm assuming, um, just just the right amount of detail. This is artwork that looks just as good in black and white, like you find in the Showcase Presents reprints, uh, maybe even better than it does in color here. So that night, uh, Desmond's widow drops in at the home of Dr. 13, the Ghostbreaker. Dr. Terry, dressed in a purple striped shirt, white tie, brown sports coat over some green slacks. Uh, not sure why, but I'm paying more attention to fashion in old comics. I don't know anything about fashion, uh, but there are so many seemingly clashing outfits on characters, not just folks wearing spandex-type costumes. You'd never, probably never see this outfit that Dr. Thirteen's wearing on anyone in the real world, even in 1972. Uh, but I've probably looked right past outfits like this, worse even, in hundreds of comics and not thought twice. But uh, lately I've just been paying more attention. It, it just works in four colors the way it wouldn't in real life. Uh, and yet I strangely want to try and put this outfit together myself. Anyway, Mrs. Randolph uh, drops in asking Dr. Thirteen to investigate the circumstances around her husband's death. Desmond was apparently troubled by dreams in which a ghost disfigured him. And Mrs. Randolph, aware of the police report that uh, announced the cause of death was fright, at least suspects that uh, this ghost is what killed her husband. She describes her husband's vanity as Dr. Thirteen privately assesses Mrs. Randolph. He notices that she herself hides her poor eyesight by not wearing her glasses. Though feeling this case may not be up his alley, Dr. Thirteen uh, can't really pass up this opportunity to debunk a ghost story and reluctantly agrees to check things out. Meanwhile, at the office, the scene of Mr. Randolph's collapse, a cleaning woman between the mopping and the vacuuming, finds a, a pair of glasses on the floor. And for whatever reason, boredom, curiosity, she puts them on. When she does, she cries out and is beset with the visions of monstrous creatures that choke the life from her. Uh, some more to Tony Dezuniga's credit, the transition from one page, a pretty mundane scene in an office with desks, lamps, trash bins, tape recorders, uh, to another totally fantastic scene with ugly, ghostly demons choking the life out of this poor, unlucky woman. Uh, Dezuniga handles that transition beautifully. The sequence is a, a double-page spread, and uh, kind of seems a little page-fillerish, considering there's only eight in the story, but uh, it's definitely a good-looking filler. When Dr. Thirteen and Mrs. Randolph arrive on the scene the following morning, to begin his investigation, they see a crowd, probably the same crowd from the day before, huddled around the body of Mrs. Mullins, the cleaning lady. 
Mullins has the same horrified expression on her face as Randolph. When the pair of glasses is found near the body, someone points out that they, they can't be hers. She apparently walked around the office bragging about her perfect eyesight. That act must have gotten old fast. Assuming the glasses to be Randolph's, Dr. Thirteen inspects them while thinking about an old ghost story of a pair of glasses that allowed the wearer to see into another frightening world. He immediately rejects that idea, but rightly guesses that the glasses must have something to do with the deaths. Looking closely, Dr. Thirteen sees a tiny needle on one of the earpieces dipped in some powerful drug. And uh, if it pierced the skin, that would provide a perfect explanation for the hallucinations and frightened looks on uh, both, both dead people. This, of course, leads to the questions, who murdered Desmond Randolph? And isn't it a shame that Mrs. Mullins put those glasses on, too? Even with no list of suspects, Dr. Thirteen rejects his wife as the murderer. If she was, why would she have approached him to look into the case? Mulling the facts over that night at Chez Treize with his uh, wife Marie, Dr. Thirteen has a eureka moment and phones the police. The uh, police obviously confirming Dr. Thirteen's suspicions. He rushes over to the Randolph home to tell the widow that Desmond Randolph was killed by Desmond Randolph. Dr. Thirteen had somehow guessed that the glasses that killed Randolph were not his own, even though he thought they were. Randolph's own glasses were found in his coat pocket. The murder weapon was designed by Randolph to kill his wife. Uh, but that day, he somehow accidentally grabbed the wrong pair of glasses on the way out the door to work. So his unusual thought to himself when putting on the glasses earlier, Oh my god, what have I done? It makes sense. He instantly knew he had just unwittingly committed suicide. And, uh, and that's frightening. But uh, I suppose it's justice served on a, on a careless killer. But uh, oof, poor Mrs. Mullins. So that's the case of the ghosts on the glasses. Nice little murder mystery with a, a neat twist at the end. This, of course, being a Dr. Thirteen solo story, there was no supernatural element featured, and that couldn't be explained. And uh, this was, I'd say, a typical and representative adventure for uh, Dr. Thirteen around this time. Uh, I'd bet this story was meant for inclusion in some issue of Phantom Stranger, but uh, got bumped for some some other feature, either spawn of Frankenstein or something, and wound up in this issue of Adventure, and uh, was also condemned to relative obscurity. Uh, but I'm glad to dust off this little gem for uh, for this Halloween episode. I would like to thank some people for promoting my Wonder Woman episode on Twitter. Uh, TV Bachelor, Carl Disley, Angela from the Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace podcast, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, and uh, Joseph Crawford, whose comics buying habits are there for all to see on his Tumblr for the non-discerning reader. One other little note about my uh, Wonder Woman episode, which I wanted to talk about how, uh, in part, Wonder Woman's 50th anniversary was celebrated with the miniseries crossover event War of the Gods. Well, uh, just after wrapping up the recording of that episode, I read an article in issue 82 of Back Issue Magazine, which I've been devouring lately, and uh, this article called uh, Crisis on Infinite Crossovers, the post-crisis crossovers of DC Comics by John Trumbull. 
Uh, talked about several of DC's crossover events like Legends, Millennium, uh, Armageddon 2001, and, and War of the Gods. They talked about how it was basically a, an editorial mess. And and uh, Tom Pyre was interviewed, who was the assistant editor at the time of War of the Gods and Wonder Woman. And uh, he takes a lot of the heat. Or I should say he accepts a lot of the heat for the, the way the event turned out. And I wish I'd read that article before recording that episode. It, it was It was very informative. Uh, it really just confirmed what I had suspected and would have served to back up several of my opinions, but it was a very good read. So if you have any intention of downloading my Wonder Woman episode, found at uh, imthegun.blogspot.com or iTunes or Google Play, um, don't bother. Just find this issue of Back Issue, uh, and it will tell the story of War of the Gods much better than, than I was able to. And it's just a great read. I've Got about two dozen issues of back issue, and uh, each one is a is a great cover to cover read, no matter the content. Like Team America, who cares? But uh, I read the hell out of that article. <laughs> okay, I'm going to wrap this up. I'd love to hear from you. Did you ever read Black Orchid? What'd you think? Any Doctor Thirteen fans out there? I don't suspect there are, uh, but anyway, I've got some contact info up on the blog. So uh, thank you for listening, and happy Halloween.